so I, uh, so we, we've ended our sermon series in uh, the book of Psalms. Uh, how many of you enjoyed that? How many of you enjoyed kind of looking at the book of Psalms? I did. Uh, the Psalms are beautiful, uh, and they're, they're heart-wrenching. They're, they're real. Uh, you know what I mean? You really get to see this real side of David, uh, you know, even in his own sin and, and, and all those things. You get to see the kind of the reality. Um, sometimes there's a tendency in, uh, in, in Christendom uh, that we put on airs and we act like everything's fine, uh, and then we walk around, and even when people ask you, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Great, brother. You know, blessings to you. You know, that's how, you know, we kind of give all these, you know, but we're really not, you know, when really stuff, and that's what I love about the Psalms is the Psalms are real. You know what I mean? We saw when David was really afraid, or we saw when he was, you know, uh, humbling himself and asking God, you know, for forgiveness and all these things, and, and that's the kind of Christian life we need to live, a real one, not a you know, not putting on the facade and, and, and acting like everything's okay when it's not. Uh, but I, I wanted to, you know, kind of transition into uh, this idea of, of growing. Our uh, theme verse uh, or our theme for uh, 2019 for our church uh, is a year to grow. And I really didn't mean that necessarily just in numbers. Um, you know, and by the way, uh, you know, every church wants to grow in numbers, but but I truly be- believe that meant more than that. I truly believe that it meant that God wants us to grow, you know, deeper with him, right? God wants us to grow, uh, you know, in that intimacy that I was talking about. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, God felt distant. And, and not necessarily that, you know, I, you know, I thought that he was a bad God. I just thought he had other things to be concerned about than me, Right? You know, God's dealing with what's going on over there on the other side of the world. He's not necessarily care about what's going on with me. So I just kind of felt like, well, God was there. I believed in God, but I didn't necessarily think that him and I had this daily interaction, that he cared about what I was going through and things like that. And of course, as I got older, I I realized that, um, you know, that no, he really does. He really does care. Um, So our actually our theme verse, and uh, we can take a look at it. Uh, is Colossians uh, 2.7, and I've got it up, up here on the screen. And by the way, I, if uh, you have your Bible apps or uh, anything like that, I usually read uh, out of the New Living uh, Translation. Uh, it just flows uh, really nicely, especially to read and things like that. But uh, let's take a look at Colossians uh, 2.7. It says this, Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith, will go strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So Paul, who wrote this, and he's writing to a church uh, and just like us, and, and he's encouraging them, and basically he paints this picture, you know, just like a, a tree or a plant or anything like that that is going to, you know, grow properly. It needs to have its roots, you know, firmly grounded, and it needs to be in really rich soil uh, for that plant and, you know, for that tree to be healthy. So if you are that plant or that tree, then what should your soil be, right? What, what, where should your roots be grounded in? Well, it should be grounded uh, in Christ, you know, or, or built upon him. And for, you know, we talked about construction today, right? And the only way to, to build a, a, you know, a solid structure is to start with what? a firm foundation, right? The foundation needs to be firm. The, the, you know, obviously here in California, we do a lot of cement slabbing, 
right? Not like back east where they, you know, they build up and, yeah, they, you know, we have earthquakes and stuff like that. But you need to have a, a, a you know, firm foundation. And so what is, what is your house, right, the, the, your life, what is it built upon? Well, it should be built upon him. And then when your life has been built upon the proper foundation, when your roots are in that proper soil, then what will happen? It says, then your faith, Right? Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I, now, I don't know about you, but that is exactly the kind of life that I want to have. I want to have a life that is filled with faith. And, and I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not always um, uh, like that. I, I heard somebody, uh, in fact, it was a pastor, so I did not coin this, but I heard this other pastor say that we have the tendency to have uh, uh, basically uh, moments of, um, you know, where we kind of forget, you know, that God, you know, is there, right? Uh, you know, that we, we, we have these, these relapses into thinking that there is no God, you know, that just kind of these moments of, oh, you know, what am I going to do? We kind of forget that he's there. Why do we do that? You know, why do we have these kind of moments that we want our faith to grow? So what is faith? What is it? We talk about it a lot. But what is faith? It says this in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. Now, I would like to preface that it depends also on what your hope is in, right? Because we can have hope in things, and I don't know what you put your hope in, but we can have hope in things, and I have put my hope in, in, in people. I have put my hope in jobs before. I have put my hope in finances. I have put my hope in, you know, relationships. Can I tell you something? All of those things have let me down. All of them have let me down. But there is one hope that I have that has never let me down and promises to let, never let me down, and that is a hope in Jesus Christ. That is a hope that my salvation is secure. That is a hope that one day he's going to come back for me and one day we will have a relationship that we literally will be walking, you know, uh, arm in arm. That is the hope that I have. That is where I place my hope. And the assurance about the things that we cannot see. You know, that's why they call Christianity faith, right? Because we can't see God. We cannot see God. Does anybody ever wonder that? Why? Why we can't, why we can't see him? I've always wondered that. I always wonder, why, why, you know, why doesn't he just, why doesn't God just peel back the, you know, the curtain and just go, hey, everybody, you know, I'm here. Well, here's the thing. In times he's done that, and despite doing that, you know, people still did not believe. There was uh, the whole Israelite people, God literally freed them from Egypt, freed them from slavery. He parted the Red Sea. They walked through it. He brought them to a mountain where, you know, he was literally residing. And you know, they still did not believe. It's why I believe God wants us to have this faith because even our eyes sometimes deceive us. Even though it could ha be happening right in front of us, we will still talk our way out of it. But the second reason why I believe is because God wants us to be his hands and feet. Because if, if Jesus was still here on earth, then all of us would sit back and just let him work, right? 
let him just go around loving everybody and healing everybody and, and, you know, and, and all that and praying for people and stuff, and we would just get lazy. But he wants us to be a part of this. He wants us to take ownership. He wants us to walk around and, and, and basically be his hands and feet and his mouthpiece you know, here on this earth. Um, and, and that is where faith comes in. So my question for you is this. What or who is your faith in? And that is something that we all need to ask ourselves, and here's why. Every decision you make is based on what you believe. Okay, think about that for a second. Every decision that you make is based on what you believe. And let me give you an example of that. You know, someone comes into my life, right, and maybe it's a close friend or something like that, and they hurt me. Now, you have a choice to make. How are you going to react to that pain and react to that hurt? Well, what you believe will dictate on how you will react to that. And that is why it is so important that you need to know that you know that whatever it is that you believe will literally dictate every decision that you make. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, that he conquered death, if you believe that he has the power to save, if you believe he has the power to heal, if you believe he has the power to cast out demons, then you will walk that way, right? You will act as if, right? There is this movie I saw, and by the way, I I do not recommend going and seeing this movie, okay? I'm, I'm going to promote a movie that I'm not promoting. I saw it in my youth, as they say. No, I was a Christian. There was a movie called Boiler Room that I saw. Uh, thank you, Gary. Uh, Gary knows what movie I'm talking about. Just Gary and I. So there's this movie called Boiler Room, and I really liked it because I was in sales. And, and basically, it, it, I'm not going to get into the, the whole story of the movie, but this guy gets a job, right, uh, in, the, in the market, in the selling you know, what is it on the New York stock, you know, stock market, all that stock market, that's what I was looking for. Stock market, he goes to work for one of these big companies and literally his first day, they put him in a room, right? They put him in a room full of young guys uh, and this one guy comes in in like this three-piece suit, by the way, the actor is Ben Affleck who does this part and he has these keys and he throws these keys on the table and he goes, I own a Ferrari. You know, oh, I own, you know, da-da-da-da-da and he goes on, but he basically, he gives them their first sales tip okay if you want to be a good salesman he says this he said act as if act as if and I have to admit I've never forgotten that he said act as if act as if you own that Ferrari act as if you're the wealthiest person in the room act as if as you you know blah blah blah. he goes on and on and on and it really doesn't you know that's not the point but the thing that I caught was this idea of acting as if well here's the thing we don't necessarily even need to act as if we need to just know that we've got the God of the universe behind us, that we've got the King of kings in our corner, that we've got the Lord of lords on our side. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And yet even as Christians, we don't even act as if. We walk into a situation with so much fear and so much doubt, and we're not believing that God is on our side, even as Christians. So you know what the opposite of faith is? Fear and doubt. The opposite of faith is fear and doubt. 
And so often that's where we go. So often that's where I go. I've told you guys this before. I'll sound like a broken record. Why is it that on Sunday morning I can stand here with such great faith and stand before you, and then tomorrow something will come up. You know, my wife will come to me and say, honey, we don't have enough to pay the electric bill today, and I'll freak out. Oh, my gosh, that's it. We're homeless. It's over. (laughs) Pack everything up. Throw the kids in the car. Let's go. You know what I mean? I will, I'm not joking, I will literally act like that. Why is it that on Sundays we can be so full of faith and then Mondays we can freak out about, you know, stuff like that? How, did God change? Did God go somewhere? Did he take a vacation? Does he take Mondays off? He doesn't, right? Thank you, thank you, Mom. Thanks, Mom. The opposite of faith is fear and doubt. Fear and doubt will suck the faith right out of you. I want to look at two stories. And it's interesting because there's almost these two contrasting stories of faith in in the Bible. And they're both out of actually uh, the book of Matthew. And so we're going to look at the first one in Matthew chapter 8. If you want to go there, Matthew chapter 8. And it's about, many of you might be familiar with the story. It's about the Roman centurion, right? Here's Jesus, he's doing his thing, he's going around healing people, he's going around, you know, preaching, and he's delivering people and casting out demons, he's doing all of these things. And I love this story, so we're going to take a look at it. Matthew chapter 8, and starting in verse 5, it says this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, My young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed. This was was great. This guy amazed Jesus. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. By the way, if Jesus ever says that, you should be living by what he's about to say next. I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this. That many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, he said, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed at the same hour. This story is interesting because, one, this story has nothing to do with the spiritual people at the time. In fact, it's almost, there's almost this stark contrast of, you know, if you were an Israelite at the time, if you were one of God's people, you would have hated the Romans. Not only would you have hated the Romans, but you would have hated someone that was in the military because these were the guys that were, 
making life uncomfortable for you. These were the guys that were, you know, kicking you out of your homes or, or you know, policing you or badgering you or mocking you as you walked by or whatever. But yet here is this Roman officer. And it's interesting because, by the way, <coughs> what drew him to Jesus? He... In, in, let's just look at this culturally for a second. Jesus was a Jew, so as a Roman, you know, he probably would have looked at Jews as beneath him, right? Romans didn't get Jews. He didn't understand them. They were oppressing them. You know what I mean? It was, so why, what did this Roman see in Jesus that he came to him, by the way, humbly, and then not only does he not look down on Jesus, he actually exalts Jesus above himself and he says, I'm not even worthy that you would step into my house. So already this Roman has put himself in the right place. He humbles himself. So even though you know, he doesn't take the physical posture, he immediately humbles his own heart. But then what's even greater than that, what goes beyond, you know, culture, what goes beyond humbling himself, what goes beyond any of this, and then he has the faith to say, all you need to do, I believe in you so much, I believe in who you are, that all you have to do is speak it. Just say the words, Lord, and it will be done. How often, when we're praying to God, do we start putting stipulations and, and we start telling him how we want him to do it? Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever experienced, well, God, I want you to heal me and I need you to do it like this and I need you to do it by this time and I need it because I got it, you know, I got to work and I got, you know, blah, blah, blah. We start kind of giving God parameters. And I love that the Roman doesn't give God any parameters. He simply says, just speak it. Just speak it. This guy, not a religious guy, not even a Hebrew, not even one of God's chosen people. In fact, Jesus used this opportunity to tell his people, and he says, you know what? The kingdom of God is going to be full of people like this, people who are not born Hebrew, who are not one of God's chosen people, that they will be adopted in, that they will be brought in. By the way, that is all of us, unless there's any Jewish people in the room. All the rest of us are Gentiles. All of the rest of us are actually a fulfillment of that prophecy right here. The faith of the centurion, the things that did not hinder the centurion was pride, was doubt, was status, was race, was religion, was time, and was location. None of those things became a hindrance or a wall for that Roman to believe that Jesus could do exactly what he said he could do. That's faith. That's faith. Now let's look at Matthew 17. Let's look at the other side of faith. This one's funny. Not funny. Funny, not funny. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. Basically, there's this demon-possessed boy. And one of the things that... Jesus had given the authority over his disciples. He said, listen, I, I give you all authority in my name. You have the authority to go cast out demons, to go heal the sick, to go, you know, so go, go do it. So they were trying. They were really trying to do it. So here we go. Matthew 17, verse 14. 
It says, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. And a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has had seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, and by the way, this would have been all of us. This would have been me. Okay, Jesus, now explain to me, what did I do wrong? What went wrong? Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So I asked you a question earlier. What do you believe? Because what you believe dictates every decision that you make. Even the things that you think that you are doing out of, well, this is a good thing that I'm doing, right? But if you don't even believe in what you're doing, and by the way, I've had jobs like that, that I did not believe in what I was doing. But if that translates over into our faith, Jesus says, listen, all you need is the faith even as a mustard seed. Anyone ever seen a mustard seed before? If I was holding one up here, you'd, you'd barely, you wouldn't even be able to see it. It'd fit between by two fingers. Mustard seeds are tiny. So Jesus is saying, you listen, you don't have to walk around with this huge, you know, Pentecostal, you know, evangelistic type of faith. You know what I mean? You don't have to be one of those guys. He said, even if you have the faith as small as a mustard, just believe, believe. Now, let me explain to you something. Jesus wasn't ridiculing his disciples. In fact, Jesus was speaking to the larger problem, and that was their unbelief. The larger problem, and it wasn't just the disciples' unbelief, it was the whole nation of Israel's unbelief. They, they had stopped believing. They had stopped believing. In fact, their belief was that one day a Messiah would come and save them. That was their belief, right? That was what they had faith in. Well, guess what? The Messiah had come. He was literally standing in front of them, and they still did not believe. Remember I asked you, what would you do if God stood in front of you? He did that, and they still did not believe. Because it doesn't have anything to do with what you see with your eyes. That is what we're trying to get at. Faith goes beyond what you can see with your eyes. It has more to do with what we can sense with our spirit. It's more what we believe even beyond what we can see. And here's the thing. We all, on the, and let's go back to the Sunday-Monday thing. Monday rolls around and the enemy starts showing you things, right? He starts showing you, hey, don't forget about this over here. Hey, remember this? Remember how bad your job is and it sucks over here? Oh, remember the bank account's running low? Hey, remember the kids? They're not doing so well, right? And then what happens? We start looking at the physical, and that's what faith is not. Faith is, looks at the physical and then pushes beyond that into the spiritual, into the supernatural, and says, you know what? My God is bigger than anything that I can see. Okay, here it is. We're coming, coming home. 
How do I grow in faith? How do I grow in faith? I gave you four things. That's it. Four things. How do I grow in faith? First, you need to read God's word. Not to be religious, but if you want to get to know somebody, then spend time with them. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. If you are constantly listening to the world, if you are constantly listening to the news, if you are constantly listening to talk radio, if you are constantly listening to the mindless chatter on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, if you're constantly listening to that, then that is what you will start to believe. But if you silence that and you start listening to what the creator of all says about you, about this world, about your future, then that is where your hope will come from. That is why being in God's word is vital. Just like I get up in the morning and I have a cup of coffee, right, Star? It should just be coffee in the Bible. <laughs> Two things, coffee in, the, coffee in the word of God. The word of God, God's word should become that vital to you that you can't go another day without it, that you start having, just like I have with, ca if I don't have caffeine, I start getting the shakes and stuff like that, you know. Read God's word. Number two, ask God what you need, right? Ask God. Ask God for what you need. James 1, 6 says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is, an un is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now, by the way, Jesus says this. He says, ask anything in my name. Anything in my name. What is it that you're believing for? And I'm not talking about the temporal stuff. Right? I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the stuff just that we can see. What is it that we're believing even beyond that, into the spiritual, into the eternal? What are the things that we're believing for, right? What are the things that we are hoping for? But when you ask, don't have a divided heart. And by the way, I've been there. I'm not going to lie. I've asked God with kind of a, eh, well, if you do it, you don't. You know, I, I, I by the way, and I, I'm just going to be, Completely an open book. I have prayed for people and been praying for, oh, Lord, heal this person. And in my mind going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this person's ever going to be healed. You know what I mean? I've, I've had that thought in my head. I, it's, it's natural, right? But we need to push beyond that. And that is what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples when he kind of scolded them a little bit. He's saying, listen, you have a ministry ahead of you. There's going to be more people who are demon-possessed. There's going to be more people who are sick. There's going to be more people who are in need of salvation. There's going to be more people who are in need of you and your help. And if you walk into every situation with this divided heart or with this lack of faith, then you're going to have a really tough time that you need to believe. You need to believe that I'm here, that I'm working through you. Number three, how do I grow in faith? Number three, trust God in times of testing. Trust God in times of testing. 
James 1, 3 and 4 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. All right, what does that mean? Well, how many of you feel like you're going through a time of testing? How many of you feel like the heat has been turned up? And I don't mean the heat outside. How many feel like the heat in your life, that you feel like that literally an army has surrounded you and you feel like you're in the middle of it and you are all alone? Well, let me tell you something. That is a time of testing, especially if it was something that you, you know, did not get yourself into, right? This wasn't be, uh, because, you know, you fell into some type of sin and this is now the repercussions of your sin. But you literally said, I've been serving you, Lord. I've been being faithful. But now I feel like I'm being surrounded by the enemy. This is a time of testing. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I want to talk to kind of the church at large now. So not just us in here, but to all, the whole church. I believe that the church is going through a time of testing right now. I believe that the idea of the refiner's fire, have you heard that term before, refiner's fire, that the heat has been turned up because we have too many Christians running around who, one, don't know God's word, or two, who are not operating out of faith. And times are only going to get tougher in the world, outside. Times are only going to get tougher. They're not going to get better until Jesus Christ comes and finally puts an end to it and finally comes back to establish his kingdom. So if you're going through a time right now that you feel like you're being pressed, that you're being tested, let me tell you something. Don't run from it. Do not run from it. Because when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing absolutely nothing. And here's my last point. How do I grow in faith? Live it out. Live it out. James 2, 26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I need to wake up every morning and live out my faith. If I isolate myself, if I close myself off to the world, if I, you know, if, if, I, if I maybe believe in my mind, but I'm not out there living it, then what good is it? If you want to grow in your faith, then go out there, put yourself out there. You know what I mean? Walk out there on the water with Jesus. Take that leap of faith. Don't hide anymore. Don't wait anymore that your faith will grow simply just by doing, by living out what God has asked us to do, which is to love the world, right? Just as he loves the world. Do you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me? Father God, we want to grow in our faith. But the first question that we need to answer is this, what do I believe? And I want to give you an opportunity to answer that question this morning. If you have never, ever 
confess that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you believe in what he did, that you believe that God wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you, that he's not some distant God, that God has forgiven you of your sins, and all you have to do is ask him to come into your life and repent of those sins and turn away from them. If you would say, you know what, today is the day that I want to make that decision, that I want to say I believe. Well, the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If that is what you believe, will you just simply slip up your hand today and say, yes, that is what I believe. I am making that proclamation today. I am saying that this is the foundation of my life that this is what my roots are going to grow deep in. Yes, this is what I believe. Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I believe in you. So, Lord, help our faith to grow. As we put our belief in you, help our faith to grow. Help us to be in your word, Lord God, and to know your promises. Help us to come to you that any time that we need you, that we would ask, Lord God. Help us to trust you, Lord God, and especially in those times of testing, in those times of hardship, in those times of when the heat's been turned up in our lives. And Lord, most of all, help us to live it out. To live as though we believe. To act as if. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you're patient with us. That you're so kind. You're so merciful. You're so gracious. Lord, we give you our lives today. And Lord, we want to grow, grow closer to you every single day. In Jesus' name. Can we sing one last song?